We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity, a podcast celebrating generosity at work. Not financial giving, giving valuable time, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Welcome to ROG. It's Shannon Cassidy here. So glad you could join us. Our special guest today is John Ramstead from Leadership Beyond Influence. He's a speaker, trainer, and leadership coach, a return on generosity type leader. John is a retired combat Navy fighter pilot who attended Top Gun. This is part two of an interview from last week. So if you missed part one, stop right here, check out episode 11, and come on back. If you already heard episode 11, this first clip is a refresher. It's the story of when John reached out to a commanding officer, Darth. Remember him? And how that was the beginning of John's generous leadership journey. Check it out. I was in the, uh, my first fleet squadron, which means that I'm now actively deployed. I'm done with all my training. We're heading into the Persian Gulf for our first combat cruise. My commanding officer, his call sign was Darth for Darth Vader. You did not want to be on this guy's bad side. I'm six foot two. He was six foot four, black hair, black eyes, Vietnam veteran as a Marine combat soldier. And then, I mean, crazy story. And I totally, this guy was the hardest boss I ever worked for, but also a guy underneath all that tough exterior, one of the biggest hearts. You know who he reminds me of? You ever watched Gordon Ramsay? Yes. Right. He has like such an edge to him, but you see him on a certain show and he just cares so much about the people, their yeah. marriage. He wants to try to fix the marriage and the restaurant. Right. That was this guy. That was Darth. But I, I, asked, I said, hey, uh, Skipper, could I get some, you know, could I ask you a question, you know, privately in your stateroom? And he said, sure. So I went in there. I said, OK, I was a junior officer, which means I'm brand new. And I said, you know, one of my goals is to be a commanding officer someday. And he kind of gave me that look like, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. And I said, well, it is. And I would love your thoughts on what advice you wish somebody would have given you when you were at my stage in my career. And he sits down in his chair. He said, nobody's ever asked me that. It's two for two, John. Two for two. <laughs> here's what he shared with me, though. He goes, John, here's what happens. Everybody in the Navy is constantly, we get ranked. Let's say there's 30 junior officers in a squadron. And um, once a year, there's a ranking period. And if you're not ranked in the top three, at some time in your first two-year tour, your chances of a what's called a major command down the road are probably less than 10%. So imagine, he goes, everybody's trying to do something big and showy and flashy to get noticed to get that rating. He goes, here's what my advice to you. Don't do any of that. Every single day, you find somebody in this squadron, junior to you, senior to you, enlisted officer in your department or outside of your department, and you do something that serves them, that helps them personally, but it also helps the squadron and the mission and what we're trying to accomplish here. And he goes, you might never get an award, an accolade, or even recognition, but trust me, myself, the executive officer, the lieutenant commanders, the department heads, we will notice. And what he, what he said, John, is a rising tide lifts all boats. Be that guy. I'm like, wow, 
that right there, Shannon, for me, just so resonated, I think, with me at the core, that then that became my leadership philosophy that I brought into everything else I've ever done. So think about that. Wow. If my success is built on helping those around me succeed, and I don't worry about my success, how I'm being recognized, my numbers, but it's built on my team. Yeah. What I have found is every time I, it, it, we just blow it out. Like as an example, bringing that in, I went and found him. I was at a Fortune 100 company. We were kind of doing this weird startup inside of a Fortune 100 company. Mm -hmm. We were doing $1.8 million in revenue is the most that this little unit had ever done before. Mm -hmm. Two and a half years later, we were doing $100 million a year in revenue. And 100% of my job, and this is servant leadership, was to help every single one of my sales reps, pre-sales engineers, project managers, client service people succeed in their job, maximize their comp plan and get their work done without working, you know, Mm. 70, 80, 90 hours a week. When I saw my folks just working crazy hours, I'm like, okay, is there anything we can do to create efficiencies? That was me bringing that spirit of leadership that Darth taught me years prior just into a team. And they knew that my agenda, that I had laid down my agenda Mm-hmm. to serve them and their agenda, if that yeah. makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. And I think if we approach people and leadership like that, and I got to tell you, this once I was at a community college here and I shared that philosophy with a room of business students and they're like, uh, aren't you kind of hosing yourself by helping other people succeed? Right. And that, that's a mindset that's out there. Right? It should be about me and mine. Yes. And so we had a great conversation why, in my opinion, you know, I'm not saying I'm right or wrong, but in my opinion, I have found that that might create some short-term success, but long-term in that, I've never seen anybody get to a place of joy of what I would call significance. Me, you might succeed, but I don't think you're going to do it in a significant way. No way. I totally agree with you, John. And I think it's unconventional wisdom. And you're, you're touching on something here, which is many people are taught or believe, perhaps it's from what they've seen modeled, or maybe just the perception that we are wired for competition and it's a doggy dog world and, you know, every person for themselves. So what, what do you, what do you think contributes to that being so uncommon? Like servant leadership for many people is a very foreign concept. They're not seeing it modeled anywhere. They're, they're, like I remember doing a leadership program one time where I, I was talking about these different characteristics of leadership and servant leadership was one of them. And I noticed a group of people like snickering and kind of making comments. And I said, you know, tell me what's on your mind or what your reaction is. And they said, servant leadership, like you'll never see that in this organization. They said, you see the parking spot that's right outside the front door with the CEO's name painted on it. Is that servant leadership? And they laughed. Right. So we had to address the topic. So I really want to get your thoughts on why is this such an unusual concept? Okay. So when you said that, something really came to mind. What what is it where people think it's okay to just talk, trash talk, and be so negative about other people? If we talk negatively about somebody else mm-hmm. to someone who's not part of the problem or the solution, what that does, that shifts us away from taking responsibility for what we do, for our work, for our thoughts, for our actions. And it just constantly just shifts the blame out to other people. 
um, a motto of our family and all my business has been excellence is the standard, but grace is the word. We have a standard of excellence and we're not always going to meet it. Sometimes we're not going to meet it spectacularly, but we're going to give ourselves a little bit of grace. Yes. And we're going to look at that from two perspectives. Hey, even if it was a big smoking hole, what did, is there anything in that mess that you did well? And then what can we learn from it? Here's the root cause. Yeah. It comes from a place of identity. If I am not connected to who I am at my best self, mm-hmm. and I am constantly seeking validation from, hey, I get the gossip and somebody says, oh, I agree with you. So you're smart. Or I want the recognition in the team meeting. And, and it's that external validation that helps me have any kind of self-image. That, Cause that's where I came from, Shannon. Yeah. I grew up in a family where everything was external. I gotta tell you, you know, as a, as a Navy fighter pilot, that was my identity. Yeah. I was working, I was, I'd run through a brick wall to get an accolade. Mm-hmm. But when, you know, when Darth said at first, you know, just serve everybody. And that's how you're gonna get promotions and be commanding officer and go to Top Gun. And yeah, all that stuff was happening. Yes. And then all of a sudden, I'm sitting there. I got those orders to go to Top Gun. And I, I was on cloud nine, literally on cloud nine. And a week later, I was playing softball. And just a practice game. And I hear, look out. And I turn and I'll line drive, drilled me in the right eye and blew up the back of my eye socket. And I had nerve damage. And six months later, I was out of the Navy. And what do you do when not only your dream has been ripped away from you, but your identity? And it was during that period of time. And I tell you, I just thank God because three businessmen came into my life and started mentoring me. They helped me rebuild that, understand really who I was, not who I wanted other people to see me as. Why wouldn't you want to help somebody else succeed? I mean, that's the real question. Yeah. Are you afraid they might be your competition? Like I was watching MasterChef last night and you know, I, uh, I, I love watching these shows, right? But there's this one guy in there and I really respected him because this one lady in front of her who was his biggest competition forgot her rice when she was back in the pantry. Uh-huh. So she couldn't make her dish. She was absolutely going to fail the competition and nobody else had extra rice except for this one guy. And he has a choice to make because she turns around and says, do you have extra rice? And he could have said, I'm not sharing with you which would have forced her out of the competition right there. Now it is a competition, $250,000 prize. He didn't even hesitate. He looked at her and said, absolutely, take it, take whatever you need. Or I'm not going to win by pushing somebody down. I'm going to win by showing up at my best, and my best better be better than hers. And I got to tell you, I so admired that. Ah. And where does that come from? That comes from a place of knowing our values, knowing our beliefs, knowing who we are at the core, because he knew that, yeah, I could have made a short-term decision to maybe give myself a leg up in the competition, but sure. that would have been living outside of who I really am. Yes, and then, then there is no pride in that. Yes, he could have won, but feel horrible about it. Yeah. Right? I think that, that's that short-term gain that you were just referring to a minute ago, is that if you're looking out for number one, meaning yourself, then yeah, you might have some short-term gain, but you will not have long-term what would we, you and I would describe as success or the belief that you did your absolute best and you lived that standard of excellence that you discussed. We all know that in the privacy of our own spirits and our souls and our minds, like definition of integrity is like, like, what do you do when no one's looking? 
So in this case, this was a, you know, broadcast television show, generosity of spirit of like, you know, I want a healthy competition. I want to make sure that we're on a level playing field. I think this plays into diversity and inclusion as well. It's like, I want a level, level playing field. I want, I want to be recognized because I earned it or because I am the most eligible person for this, for this role. Well, yeah. And think about that, like the, this whole gratitude, generosity, the opposite of that is gossip. If you actually think about it, if you watch some of these shows and you get to like, you know, these reality shows and you get to like some of the characters, yes. think about the people you really dislike because they're the ones that are gossiping. They're sarcastic. They're negative. They're trying to pull down those people around them. Mm-hmm. And here's what I have to ask myself. How often do I do that with people that I'm around? Like, what if I went up to you after, you know, we kind of pour out our hearts. We put ourselves, you know, when we're practicing new material, you know, speaking is both part of what we do. Imagine if we got off stage and, and we're at dinner the other night and you overheard me saying to a friend of ours, like, wow, Shannon really blew it today. Right? One little comment. And you might say, yeah, you know what? I really did blow it today. But you know what, that is, that's not going to build a relationship. That's not going to encourage somebody to pursue their best. That's not going to allow you to have any kind of influence. If I did that and you heard that, you might, you, uh, cause I know you, you're wonderful and you're pleasant and you're smiley and you would still be nice to me, but I would lose the privilege of having any kind of positive influence in your life. Cause you would just close that door. There's a lot of people out there right now that are doing that by their actions Yes. And here, it's interesting because Gallup just studied this. I've been on this because I honestly think you can change a family. You can change a a team. You can change a culture around in weeks. I've seen it done and I've been part of it by eliminating gossip. But when gossip exists in an organization, because this this is what suppresses people from being their best. It suppresses us from gratitude. Do you know that we lose between 8 to 12 hours per person? per week. Think about that from a productivity standpoint. Yes. If you're frustrated with, so we're talking about all this stuff, gratitude and relationships and being serving other people, right? And a lot of people are like, okay, actually your audience probably is like, okay, yeah, right on. This is good stuff. I really believe that this is foundational. These are the new hard skills of the of this world that we live in right now. Yes. And if you're not a person that's working in these areas, you are going to get smoked. You are you might have some short-term successes, you are not going to have long-term gains. When we come back, John will share the bottom line benefits of generosity, the stats around ROG. When you need podcasts that inspire you, podcasts that help you live your best life, podcasts that speak to you, podcasts that are easy to listen to, you'll find them on the Quad Pod Network, coming soon. And we're back to learn some statistics on the literal return on generosity from guest John Ramstead. Give me some examples of bottom line benefits to what you're talking about. How, how are you measuring that hard skill? Well, let's think about this. If we have, because we've studied this, Shannon. So if you have an organization that has high trust, mm-hmm. it has 
good relationships. Gossip is absent. And so we've done this by talking with the teams. We get to work with teams across the Air Force and Fortune 100 companies and small startups. But here's what we found. And then um, we were mapping this. And then somebody gave me some data, both from Gallup and the Covey Institute. And there's a great book called The Speed of Trust. Yes. And it completely lined up with what we were seeing in the, the, the companies we're working with. Think about a place, we used to say, you know what, when you hire us, we're going to help you create an organization where people want to show up on Monday morning. Where do, pe- where do we want to go where we're around other people? A, first of all, first thing, we want to go to a place where we have friends, right? If somebody invites me to a dinner party with somebody who's a total jack wagon, yeah. right? but my wife likes his wife, I'm like, I'm not excited to go. But here's, here's the thing. These companies report 74% less stress. This is self-reported. That's a big deal, especially right now. 74% less stress. 106% more energy. 50% higher productivity, measurable. 14% fewer sick days are, you know, are taken through HR. If you do the engagement score from Gallup, these organizations have a 70 six percent higher engagement now here's the crazy thing with everything that we've done all the leadership training and podcasts and books and seminars do you know that people that report being engaged at work in the last 12 years that gallup's been serving surveying this has not moved a percent it's still at 31 percent in the u.s we spend 24 billion with a b a year on leadership training does anybody out there think we have a leadership crisis? Seriously. I honestly, okay, here, other 29% report higher life satisfaction and they have 40% less people report that they're feeling burned out. Oh. Now think about that. How do we solve this leadership crisis? And everybody focuses on the why and the what and the how, and those are awesome. Like John Foster, way back when, right? He showed me what he did, why he did it, and how he did it. And at the time, I was ready to do it. I know for a fact there's other people that he tried to mentor that didn't get close to the results. And I have been in business as an entrepreneur and had amazing mentorships. And I had a business completely fail, imploded, and also destroyed a very good friendship of mine because of how I led it. Here's the thing is I can take your best advice, Shannon, but if I run it through a flawed person, I'm not going to get your results. And so the foundational piece to all this is who we are. And often, There's a huge gap between the person we see in the mirror and that best version of ourselves. And I think the bigger that gap is, the more stress and anxiety that we feel, the less it's harder to go to sleep at night. You can't turn your brain off. So that's been my quest, not only close my gap. And if I can close my gap a little bit, I can then help people around me take that next small step forward. Yes. And honestly, when you start living like that and just helping become their best self, guess what? At work right now, this might sound totally foreign to you. What if you actually said, what is that? What is one small thing I can work on? Maybe what I decide to do is, hey, there's certain people I get frustrated with. They come in, their work's a little bit late, and I get frustrated and they can see it on my face and my body language. What if I just work on that one thing? Did you ever ask yourself, why, why is there stuff consistently late? Maybe they're taking care of both of their elderly parents and they got kids at home and their schools aren't in session and their wife who used to work full time is now trying to figure out how to work from home and 
be a homeschool mom because you're required to be in the office because he's an essential worker. Mm-hmm. And he's not letting you know any of that because he's actually a really solid person and doesn't want to complain. Yeah. Because there's stuff in people's lives that you will never know. And I think we have to give them the benefit of the doubt. So, but for us, whatever it is, what is that one small thing that we can do to just get a little bit gooder? <laughs> right? Yes. Right? And let's just focus on that. And here's what I would do is if you don't, if you can't identify it, or most of you listening, maybe you know exactly what it is. I know what I need to be working on right now. Share it with somebody. Yes. Share it with somebody like Shannon. Share it with your spouse. Share it with your best friend and say, you know what? I want to get better. I want to be a little happier. Mm -hmm. I want to be a little, I want to be a better mentor to people at work. I want to be a little more liked. I don't have a lot of close friends. Find one person you can trust and just say, here's the one thing I'm working on. Or ask them, what do you think I should work on? And then just just be accountable. John, that is... So spot on with everything that, that we're talking about here, which is one, it goes back to starting with ourselves. You've said mm-hmm. this repeatedly in this conversation is that start with ourselves. And, and I think it also lends itself to that gossip. Like gossiping is a, like, let me talk about somebody else's flaws. Instead, let's talk about our own opportunities, you know, <laughs> and how can I level up my game and how can I reduce that gap between the person other people see me as and my real potential. I think that's so important because that's something every single one of us can do. Tell us more about your book, John, because this is intriguing. Tell us more about this book you've been working so hard on. So it's, it's called On Purpose with Purpose, Discovering Your Best Life. And it's really this whole, this whole journey that I've had about really understanding not only in the past, Shannon, I was so focused on kind of figuring out what was my calling? What was my purpose? What I should be doing that was fulfilling? Nothing felt right. And I was working so hard. And what I realized was, is I had the question backwards. And that was, I have to understand who I am. And really, from my perspective, the way I see it is like who God made me to be, to understand that clearly. What is that potential? When I slowed down to figure that out, this thing that I've been like searching for my whole life, like buried treasure all over an island, all of a sudden like the mist cleared and I knew exactly what I needed to do. And so here's what, here's what I realized is, and I think this is the key to solving this leadership crisis. It's connecting to our purpose. We do that by understanding who we are. We do that by really understanding and working on that kind of that concept of identity, because here's what's happened our whole lives. We, we have, here's how your identities have formed through a couple different areas. A, all of your own experiences. Maybe you tried something and it didn't work out. And instead of saying that was a learning experience, you said, no, I can't do that. You saw that as proof of a negative. Or maybe you worked with somebody and they gave you some feedback like, oh, you're a terrible public speaker. Don't, don't ever do that again. You're not doing any more of the briefings. It's also formed from our, what we think other people's opinion of us is. Right? You're in a meeting and somebody, you say something, they roll their eyes. Yeah. It might have nothing to do with what you said, but we fill in that gap and there's a narrative there. And here, but here's what I found for myself is a lot of that stuff wasn't true. But I had let these lies in as truth into how I saw myself, and they formed like these chains around me. What we have to do is we have to go through a process to break free of those chains. And that is what this whole book is. And, you know, I, I have a really 
faith background story, Shannon, but I wrote the book so that I could hand it to a CEO of a Fortune 100 company. We do a lot of work with the military that I could hand it to a, a, you know, a general officer in the Air Force and the Army or an admiral in the Navy. And I'm really excited about it because it's hopefully it's almost kind of like buy a book and it's basically uh, like working with somebody to coach you through this whole process. I wanted the people to be able to get the benefits of working with the coach without having to invest the time and the money because that's how I tried to write the book. Yes, like a, like that self-coaching and the tools that people could apply to their own lives and that you could yes. book to a leader who you see that potential in, but you know that they're not there yet, but you're giving them these tools to unlock and unleash some of those chains and say, no, we're going to break free of that. And we're going to let you be who you really are, which I think is easier if you think about it, because it's how you were designed. So it's, you're not following a model from made for someone else. You're giving yourself freedom and license to be the person that you were designed to be. Yep. hundred percent. I'm so glad that you put that in writing so that people can benefit from your wisdom and follow these tools and strategies to get them to that higher level. I love the ripple effects of who you are and how you just make things better every day. Gooder. You make them gooder every day. Make them gooder. (laughs) Gotta get gooder. Yeah, sure. Yes. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Oh, my pleasure. You're awesome. Uh, Shannon, thank you for who you are and what you do. You are just an inspiration and just everybody out there listening. I'll, I had a I'll never forget, I had probably one of my worst times going up there trying to get words around an idea. And like, I just felt horrible. Like I felt really small. I remember you came up to me and just, you big old smile, like you're always smiling. And you said, that was awesome. And I'm thinking in my head, liar. And But what you said, Shannon, was like, no, it was awesome that you went up and tried something you were totally not familiar or comfortable with yet. And you just put it out there. And then you just walked away to get, you know, some water and stuff. And I got to tell you, you know what? That was such a gift in that moment because you didn't need to do that. And I'll still, I'll always remember that in your smile right there when I was not feeling excited about myself or the work that I'd put in. And thank you. I I appreciate you. Yes, my pleasure. Right back at you. (laughs) Thank you for always modeling that courage. That's something of the long list of things that I admire about you is the courage to try. And that's why that really spoke to something in me is like, get up there and do it. Mm -hmm. I was following your lead. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Good stuff, Shannon. Be well. ROG takeaway tip, how we can apply what we've learned to our own work and lives. The perspective John shared about gossip is a great reminder to engage in productive, positive conversations versus artificial and counterfeit connection. Why do we gossip? What's the root cause? I think it's insecurity, lack of creativity, and jealousy. When we openly engage in, and perhaps even thrive in, the judgments we have of others, yes, we have something to talk about. We may even have some tea, as my kids call it, which means talking over tea, that attracts others to us and puts us in contact with some people in our lives who like tea. If what's attractive about us is the gossip and intel we have about someone else, what does that inform us about us? It's a tactic to avoid talking about ourselves, our setbacks, our news, and what we're learning and what's true about us. 
It may be insecurity that causes us to want to turn the attention to someone else or something else, but it's phony connection. You're not really connecting in a meaningful way. You are investing your precious time on something not productive, in fact, destructive. If gossip is a challenge for you, build your creativity muscle. What will help is asking quality questions, like what's interesting? What are you noticing about yourself right now? What's something you wanna learn that scares you? Employ your creative sensibilities and find something interesting to share and explore. You know what's really interesting? Other people. Ask questions. Like St. Francis said, seek first to understand before being understood. The person you could gossip about, get curious about them. Why do they do what they do? What other information is necessary for you to get the full picture? Could you be jealous and want to take them down a notch? A great antidote to jealousy is self-love. What's something about yourself you could find interesting? What's something you've been able to accomplish this week that's a direct reflection of your talent? How can that talent be helpful to someone else? If you really want to shift the focus away from yourself, focus on giving. One of the greatest returns on generosity is that we grow when we give. Serve others. And if we're judging, we're not leading. Use your words to heal, support, encourage, lift up, and create. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.